And now, Andy, uh-oh, the little red flag is up on the side of the podcast. That means it must be time for Mailbag. That's good job. Right on cue, my guy. That's right. It's mailbag time. We put the calls out via the social medias. You have questions we have reasonably informed and sometimes half-assed answers. We will give it our absolute best shot. Andy, would you like to address it uh, and begin today's mailbag on six rings from the book of face or the tweet machine? Let's go Twitter. All right. You're up first. Okay. I'm going to ask you one because I, I put all questions out there. I said it could be about draft or beer or draft beer. And therefore, somebody responded to the beer angle with a question that I think is solely for one Fitzy, who kind of mm -hmm. fancies himself a craft beer connoisseur. What are your favorite craft beer breweries from each New England state? And you can only count half of Connecticut. All right. I will begin in Massachusetts. My favorite, of course, my pal Dino, the biggest Pats fan I know, not named Fitzy, Hart, Keefe, uh, Silver Bullet, and beyond. Dino runs Vitamin C in Weymouth, Massachusetts. It's my favorite mm. in Mass. In Rhode Island, in Exeter, Rhode Island, probably not terribly far from you, about 20 minutes outside the greater uh, Providence area, Tilted Barn Brewing. Awesome brewery. Great IPAs, great sours, great lagers. They're... they're um, summertime lager lawn boy it has andy hart written all over it i'll pick one up one time i'll give it to you you tell me you like it you won't give me a beer back in connecticut i will go with counterweight brewing uh excellent brewery again uh they they run the full gamut of goods if you're in the uh if you're in the new haven to hartford area somewhere in that southern middle of connecticut counterweight brewing will never steer you wrong in vermont i will go with I've never had a bad beer from the Alchemist. They make, of course, Hetty Topper. They make uh, your uh, everyone else loves Focal Banger more than Hetty Topper because uh, Hetty Topper was the OG in New Hampshire. I'm gonna go with our friends at Twin Barns, uh, Twin Barns Brewing in Merritt, New Hampshire, by the Lakes area. Friends of the show, delicious beers, great people, great fans. And up in Maine, I will go with. You know, what? I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with a definitive brewing. My pal Mike Rankin runs a hell of a brewery up in Maine. Definitive brewing, great sours, good stouts, terrific IPAs, crushable beers. Uh, I think I've actually given one to you before, but there's my rankings right there: Tilted Barn, Counterweight, Vitamin C, Alchemist, Twin Barns, and Definitive Brewing. How about that? I like it. I have on the fly too. Group. Didn't even prepare. All I had was vitamin C, the only one of those that I believe I have sampled, and a big fan of vitamin C. They, uh, I still say the the blueberry pancake breakfast beer or whatever it was called. Wasn't, um, wasn't that good? Was one of the most remarkable things that I – very few times do I think those beers deliver. The name doesn't always marry up with what I taste. That one was Willy Wonka-esque in the uh, correctness of its name and what it tasted like. <laughs> All right, let's go to the, uh, and there's a million others as well. Anytime you're anywhere in a state and you don't want to use untapped or whatever, you can use, you can uh, just shoot me a message at Fitzy GFY. I will never steer you wrong uh, wherever you happen to be for a good brewery because it is the golden age of craft brewing. Life is too short to drink crappy beer. Uh, okay, Andy, on Facebook, uh, let's see. We got Kenny Tasney, who's got this question for us right now. All right, how confident... Do you guys still have Kenny Tasney? Do you guys still have hope Tyquan Thornton can develop into a good wide receiver? It's his second season, and boy, is he fast. But 
What's your what's your Andy? Give me a zero to ten confidence level. Ten being the most. Um, five point five. Uh, I'm trying to stay That's optimistic. Gonna... All right. Um, and I'm trying to also rekindle and recall the way I felt coming um out of training camp and in August. I really liked what I saw from Tyquan Thornton on the practice field. If you recall, I was saying he was the best rookie receiver I could remember in camp and the preseason since Dion Branch. I thought he really showed route running ability, hand, and the he got hurt. And then I just never saw the guy in the season that I saw in the preseason. And so I'm hoping maybe there were residuals from the injury. I don't know. The drops, the he seems skittish crossing the middle. I don't know. Yeah. It, you know, he's putting on weight. He's working hard. I'm hoping he can get back to the guy I saw last summer because I had hope for the guy – I saw last summer. The one thing I will say is I never saw the freakish speed translate into mm. freakish football speed on the field. I never saw like Bethel Johnson. I've told you before is always my measuring stick. He had an extra gear to go get the football, to run by people down the field. That was extraordinary. And he was not a good receiver, but he showed you that speed on occasion I never really saw that from Tyquan Thornton very often on a football field. I would like to see more of that, but I am no, I'm not giving up hope on him. I think, you know, we also need to remember not only was he injured, but he was working within the dysfunction that was detailed by our friends, Karen Garrigan and Andrew Callahan in the Boston Herald. And I can't like, there's no way you were going to get the best out of Tyquan Thornton based on everything that was going on with him, the offense, the injury. So uh, long-winded way of saying it. I am maintaining some hope, but I am dubious. Uh, you just took me from a six to a 6.5 then actually with that final note, yeah. reminding me once again, it wasn't just the fact that he was beset by injury, losing six weeks to the clavicle fracture, but also the fact how in the hell are you supposed to start out a rookie season as a promising speed burner, trying to identify a role on an offense that has no idea what the hell it is. You're, yep. you're veritably in the point scoring upside down in Patricia and Judge's reverse engineered offense. So I'll go 6.5. I have faith Bill O'Brien can get something out of this year. I love this question, Andy. This is right up your foot. This is such an SFD question. Tim Courtois on Facebook says, given the amount of expiring contracts in 2024, guys, do you think the Patriots will draft for future need as opposed to current need? For example, I could see them targeting edge rusher or backer at 14 as a surprise because Uche and Bentley's deals are coming up. Hmm. Good one. That's a, that's a hard O guy right there. It's a great question. It's a question yep. we bandied about a bit on NBC Sports Boston when I was on their airwaves recently. And it's a great question because mm -hmm. it very much falls in line with Belichickian drafts of the past. He has been a year too early guy. I know the the favorite example is Nate Solder when Matt Light was still here for one more year. Draft Nate Solder. He's the extra tackle, big tight end, and then boom, he's your starting left tackle. But they've done it a lot, and I do think some of it not only is to prepare for departures and holes, but also to add some leverage to negotiations. Like, we don't necessarily need you. We just drafted a pass rusher. So Josh Uche, if you want to be here and you want to take this offer, we'll make it all work, but we don't need you. We're not going to have this massive hole if you leave because we drafted this guy over here to be ready. The one thing I'll say to that is I think it was easier to do that back in the day when you had Tom Brady, you had Rob Gronkowski, you were winning somewhere in the range of 11 to 14 games a year. It's easier to prepare for the future in that world 
than it is you've missed the playoffs two of the last three years with losing records, a fact that snuck up on Robert Kraft, but is the reality of his football team. And you have holes that need to be filled now. I'm not sure this team is good enough and talented enough to be thinking about future needs. It needs to fill voids on the roster right now. And we know all the positions, cornerback, tackle, whatever, wide receiver. So I don't rule it out because Bill's done it a lot over the years, like Brian Branch. Would he take Brian Branch as the future of the safety position because Kyle Duggar, he's not going to pay him or one of the pass rushers. And so Uche can be let free. It's definitely a possibility, um, but I don't know that you're good enough to continue to live in that world. Could not agree more. Well said the, to the Senator from the South coast. All right, back to the Twitter. What do you got? So um, this is one that I think is becoming a, a popular discussion point because of the perceived depth of the tight end position. It actually marries in a little bit to what we just talked about, given the uncertain contract futures of Mike Kosicki and Hunter Henry. But do you think it's a possibility that the Patriots under Bill O'Brien, who yes, we know had the famous, two tight end set. Do you think tight end could be a draft target with this team maybe uh, earlier rather than later? And I, I would say, yes, I think this is a team that in the top three rounds could consider the tight end position. I did want to add, I'm not as high on the tight end class as seemingly almost everybody else raving about it. Um, I thought this was the, the deepest, the same way that last year receivers and a couple of years ago, quarterbacks that this year, it's all about the tight ends, the you know, Hargrove and Mayer and Kraft, uh, Kincaid. Like, it's a loaded field, but you're not as high on them? No, I'm not. I think there is upside to a lot of the guys, but there's a lot of projection. Like, Michael Mayer, right. to me, is the safest of the group, but I also don't think he's elite. I don't think he has explosive, offensive, altering talent. Um, he's yep. good. He's a two-way tight end. He's a good player. You know, you, you may get may get Hunter Henry out of him where you say, yeah, every year I'm going to pencil him in for 600 yards and eight touchdowns or something, mm -hmm. but you're not getting Gronk in my opinion. Now there's some other guys, Musgrave, that I think have massive upside. Washington, massive with an emphasis on massive upside. Um, Kincaid, yes. I just, I don't know any of them or that are sure things. And I also think we've seen in recent years, tight ends take a while to impact and an NFL offense, oftentimes there's a developmental curve, whether it's Kyle Pitts, whether it's um, what's his name who got traded from the Lions to the uh, uh, TJ Hawkinson. You know, mm -hmm. th there's just there's a developmental curve. It's not like receiver where you come in and boom, you're an all pro, you're a pro bowler right out the gates. So I think that would play into my evaluation, but given the depth of the position and the lack of the depth of the position for the Patriots, I think a third slash fourth round pick would be very, very plausible. hundred percent. I don't see them using a first or a second round pick. Maybe if Belichick is in love with Darnell Washington, I believe the tight end from Georgia, who is an, the monster six foot eight, looks like a bookend left tackle for Trent Brown. Uh, or opposite, you know, looks like offensive tackle. The man is a mammoth, freakishly athletic. If he dips back to, as mentioned before, the freakishly athletic pool and wants to get someone that he can groom behind these guys this year, okay. We all know Gasicki's a wide receiver in tight ends clothing. They do need a two-way tight end because there's no guarantee Hunter Henry sticks around because there's no guarantee Mac Jones is on this team after this year as well. And since I'd almost bet they go wherever each wherever one another goes or sticks around wherever one another is, 
I absolutely do think tight end becomes a priority. Top three rounds. I say they have, if the Patriots have escaped the third round without drafting a tight end of the future or someone they believe can be after whiffing not once, but twice in 2020 on guys back then. Now that was supposed to be a very weak tight end class. Spoiler alert. Uh, all the draft Knicks and analysts who said that were correct. Uh, the Asiasi and Keen experiment not work out, but you got to jump back in. I say within the top three rounds for sure. Andy, this question actually comes from FCGY. Hi, um, longtime member of the Six Ring Football community. Got a question for you. Do you think the Patriots were in on Jeff Okuda, the flamed out third overall pick from 2020 with the Detroit Lions, who was recently offloaded, if you will, dumped by the Detroit Lions. He's no longer on Team Grit. He is now a member of the Atlanta Falcons. Seems a reasonable price to pay for somebody who was once thought to be a lockdown corner of the future and perennial pro bowler, eh? It does. So I'm going to guess Matt Patricia did not sign off on that. Although, quite frankly, I have no idea if Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia even speak anymore. So maybe I'm uh, connecting dots that don't deserve to have a line between them. Um, mm -hmm. I have no idea where Matt Patricia is these days and if he and Bill are on good terms or not. But um, it, it was interesting that a once talented, once well thought of cornerback went for a pittance of a price. Um, and the Patriots need at the very least depth. I'm not even saying you, you try to go get him to be your number one corner, but just add him to the rotation of cornerbacks. Um, also, can I throw in there? Mm -hmm. He's from Ohio state, correct? Jeff Okuda. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And they have Sean Wade who has failed to live up to once great hype from Ohio state. I just wonder, is there anything to that? Is there. Is there a um, scheme, coaching fit, alter, you know, something about Ohio State corners that they've realized, uh-oh, what we see at Ohio State is not necessarily what we're going to see in the NFL. Could that I'm, – and I'm just spitballing here. This is just something that popped into my head with the way Sean Wade has not been able to find a role for himself in the NFL with the Patriots, whatever. Um, oh, he's found yeah. a great role for himself. Somebody has to be a DNP. Yeah, but it's supposed Someone to be – Someone has uh, – he's, he's a regular and active. He's, he's great at it. He is. He Joan Williams. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Uh, any more from Twitter? I got one or two more from Facebook. Uh, I did. Let me find it. Uh, okay. There right. was In one. The, here we go. Yep. Right. What two moves could the Patriots do that you think would make them relevant next January? Oh, I, I would. You know me, I'm way in on wide receiver one of the future. I would trade for I would trade for Jerry Judy and then I would draft a cornerback with my first overall pick. And then I would take a tackle after that because you've got enough serviceable bodies to just keep if you will, lumps of coal to throw in the fire, logs to throw on the fire, if you will, with Reef and Anderson, McDermott and Kajust. You'll find a way to just sort of plug up the middle. It won't be elite pass protection. It may not be elite run blocking. But another corner, absolutely. Now that you're probably going to lose Jalen Mills to safety for the season, and you know how much I love Jerry Judy, those are the two moves to me that will give them their best shot at relevance in January. Let's say you, Jumbo. Uh, I only need one move, and I think it's the obvious one because it makes you relevant in January. I don't know that it ever makes you relevant in February. Uh, go get Lamar Jackson. I think this team's roster, Damn. all I hear is people yeah. saying, there's nobody that I fear on that offense. You'll fear the quarterback if Lamar Jackson's the quarterback, and he will make everybody, Ramondre Stevenson, Hunter Henry, better by extension of his own physical abilities. So 
I'm not saying I would necessarily do it, give up the $230 million and multiple first round picks. But if you do that, Ooh. you're absolutely relevant next January. And as I wrote up on the dot com over the weekend, when OBJ announced he was taking a one year up to $18 million deal to the Ravens, do you think that is the hand tip that most of us believe it to be? that Lamar is going to sign his non-exclusive franchise tender, play one more year in Baltimore and have this be a true showcase season while possibly trying to get after the chip. If it were just the contract and the money, I would have said no. Cause I thought Odell got a ridiculous contract, $15 million guaranteed, maybe able to get to 18 million for a guy who coming off yet another ACL. And quite honestly has not been consistently dominant for years and years and years, but, when you marry that up with, oh, he and Lamar were yucking it up on FaceTime social media afterwards, that right there tells me, yeah, I think Lamar is going to be back in Baltimore. I agree with you 100%. Um, I think he's going to be back. He'll sign it. He'll take that money. And this will be his final year in Baltimore. I'm not sure if he'll be able to negotiate the same way Brady did. Like, you can't tag me next year. And that'll be the either we give him the bag and Beckham helps address their wide receiver issues because they were beyond desperate in Baltimore. Whether or not Lamar stays in Baltimore or goes elsewhere, I think you'll see enough. Of, you'll see this game come to him quickly. I think he moves on after the season. Beckham gets a bag and a half. I can't believe that. But see, that's again, this is what happens in the draft. When certain teams have certain needs that are desperate, they're willing to overpay, overdraft, trade up, and blow up the Jim Nagy's of the world's draft charts. Uh, and analysis. Let's go with the last one, Andy. Uh, here we go. Michael Peterson, do you think Bill Belichick has lost his mojo? Yes. He used to be the guy who cuts talent before their decline, yet he has kids in high positions on his coaching staff. If his kids wouldn't be hired by the other 31 teams, the Pats shouldn't as well. Yikes. I cannot believe. we Consistently and still, we live in a world, Andy, where people have lost their faith in the almighty hooded one. Yeah, no, I, I think he's lost his mojo. I don't think it's his fault. I think he's 71 years old this coming weekend, basically. Um, he's not as good as he once was. And part of that, yes, is Tom Brady. But part of it is he's an older man. And I think he, I don't know, has had to say things and then walk them back. You know, the last 25 years, he's, you know, people forget this was reminded to me the other day um, of the wrong Brian text that started the uh, Brian Flores lawsuit. Like, the iPhone grandpa thumbs last year. Yeah. Like he, it, it's not his fault. It's age. It catches up with all of us. Father time is undefeated. Whatever cliche you want to use. I do not think he's as good as he once was. He used to be an artist in my opinion. He, he was not a coaching scientist. He was an artist. He went with his gut. He doesn't call timeout. He like certain things. And the artist has lost his way a little bit. And I don't, I mean this not as a, really a critique as just an observation, just a fact of life. But to me, there's just, and certainly the decision to go with his guys last spring is the worst decision he's ever made. So in the last, in less than a year, he made the worst decision he's ever made, making Matt Patricia and Joe Judge run the offense. And then he said the dumbest thing he's ever said, in my opinion, in his 20 plus years in New England, when he said the last 25 years. So the frequency with which he's making errors leads me to believe, yeah, he's lost his mojo a little bit. Wow. And we began on such a positive note. And yet still there he is with one toe over the edge. I understand it's a fair it's a fair point to a degree. And that I still believe in Bill. But most importantly, which Bill is it? 
Is it Bill Belichick or as Andy pointed out and root for WI.com? Is it Bill O'Brien? I believe Bill Belichick returns to formish thanks to actually farming out and trusting some true football minds and voices in the right positions this year, but we shall see folks. We are just two weeks away from the 2023 NFL draft. Do not forget that the rich Keefe show will be having a draft of Palooza or as we're calling it the six to midnight draft party. Me jumbo Keefe, who knows, maybe a cast of thousands. We'll have some extra guests chiming in on the show. Uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. We'll have lots more six rings and football things podcast. Brian Baldinger is going to join us in the coming weeks to help break down the draft as well. Andy and Shime will have some more six rings and prospect things, breaking down whatever other positions have not been addressed up to date. So we've got you covered from tip to tail, port to stern to starboard to whatever other nautical terms can be. I don't know. I just was, you know, it's time to end the podcast. For my pal, Andy Jumbo Hart at Jumbo Hart. For our producer, Justin Turpin. For everyone at WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports, this is pal Nick Fitzy Steve. Thank you guys for the questions. Thank you for listening. And thank you for making six rings and football things part of your daily and weekly Patriots regiment. Good day. God bless. And go Celtics, go Bruins, and go Pats.